Praise the Lord. It's good to be in the Lord's house, isn't it? I want to thank the Lord, first of all, for saving my soul. On January 11th, 1977, I was led to the Lord by a missionary with a copy of the Word of God. And today I'm excited to be a missionary with a copy of the Word of God. And we'll say more about the ministry tonight. If you would, if you have your place there in Psalm 107, let's take a look at verse 20 again. If you close your Bibles, open them back to Psalm 107, as this is where we'll take the message from this morning. Psalm 107, look at verse 20 again. It says there, He sent His Word and healed them and delivered them from their destructions. Let's pray once again. Father, please, I... I'm just a messenger. I pray that you'd hide me behind the cross. I pray that you'd fill me with your spirit. And Lord, I pray that you'd give us spirit-filled ears. But may we not only be hearers, may we be doers, Lord. May you not only challenge us, may you change us for the cause of Christ and for the glory of God. I pray that you would uh, uh, speak through your word. I pray that if anybody here does not know you as Lord and Savior, that today would be the day of their salvation. And Lord, we thank you for your precious word. Help me in proclaiming it, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, the, the message is titled, He Sent His Word. And I'm glad He sent His Word, aren't you? What a blessing we have uh, to hold the very Word of God uh, in our hands. And I want us to consider several things from this verse regarding He Sent His Word. First of all, the source. Uh, the source of the Word. You know, what, what are we talking about? As, we, as we've already mentioned, the John and Romans here. It's the Word of God. Uh, it's the, the source is the creator of the universe. Second Timothy 3.16 tells us that all scripture, uh, not only John and Romans, but all scripture is given by inspiration of God. And I'm thankful for the source, the creator God of the universe. These are not just words of men. These are the words of the one that spoke the stars into existence. And the creator, I love creation. My dad, uh, is, his gift is teaching. He's uh, written a lot um, of material in, in Portuguese, our Bible institutes, but uh, we both love uh, creation. And I, I'm not going to take the time to talk a whole lot about it, but uh, we have a wonderful creator God. But not only the creator, we believe in a trinity, right? Uh, we have the creator God, we have Christ. Uh, he is the word of God in flesh. He came some 2,000 years ago. And we have some of what he said while he was here 2,000 years ago in the book of John, for example. And, uh, of course, really all scripture are the words of Christ. Some people like red-letter editions. I'm not against them, but you could have all the Bible in red letters as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> Amen. Because they're all the words of Christ. Now, I understand there are certain words that he spoke uh, while he was here on planet Earth. But uh, we have the word of God, the creator God of the universe, the Christ and of course, the Comforter. Sometimes we Baptists get a little, we don't talk about the Holy Spirit so much because the Charismatics have, you know, misapplied. And, 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 but God, the, the Father, He spoke to the prophets in the Old Testament. Uh, God, the Son, He came and He ministered. Of course, he was on, if He was on planet Earth, we'd go hear Him, right? We definitely wouldn't come here, Brother Johnson, we'd go hear Him. But He ascended, right? And who is on planet Earth? Who is dealing on planet Earth now? The Holy Spirit of God, the Comforter. Amen. Uh, I have Him. Uh, he doesn't come and go like He did in the Old Testament. He He will never leave us nor forsake us. Now Jesus went back, but the whole, we have the Holy Spirit of God, and it is the Comforter. We ought to come to church, and I thank God for pastors and teachers. But the greatest teacher is the Comforter, the Holy Spirit of God. He is the author. I, uh, I remember my, my father some, some years ago on furlough, uh, he was using my brother's car. Uh, it was a Ford Escort, and we won't get into a debate about Ford and Chevys and all that, but uh, uh, he was driving my brother's uh, Ford Escort. And at the time, I was in Florida, 
And uh, he was in Indiana, and he, he was coming to visit us in Florida. And on the phone, he was on, in Georgia on the way, and he just mentioned it was summertime. And he said something, but man, it's, it's really hot, and the, and the AC doesn't work in, in the car. And you know, I, I felt sorry for him. Of course, we grew up in Brazil without AC. But anyways, when he, when he arrived in Florida, he, he told me, he said, you know, he said, Alan, I finally figured out how to get the AC working. Um, it, it's one of those cars where not only, you ha- he was just operating the fan, he never pushed the button that goes blue, right? And uh, I said, Dad, this is wonderful. This is going to be an illustration that I'll use in some of my messages. And uh, because here's, here's, here's the point. All he had to do, he could have had AC in Georgia if he would have done one of two things. A, got the, the handbook, right, the book out of the glove box. But men... We don't read instructions, right? But, but if he had gotten that owner's manual, he would have learned how to operate the AC and he wouldn't have had to, you know, uh, go with just the fan. Or he could have called my brother, the owner of the vehicle, right? He could have called the owner of the vehicle. Hey, does your AC not work? And my brother would have said, no, dad, push the button, <laughs> right? And, uh, and folks, so we, uh, uh, I'm not saying, anyway, I'm not, it's not a prosperity gospel, but God doesn't just want to take you to heaven. He has an abundant life for us. Amen. And so many Christians, they miss out on that abundant life. They, they treat salvation like a fire insurance policy. They're glad they're not going to hell, but they miss out. They're, you know, they're, they're riding in, in the fan, right? I mean, they're not going to burn in hell, but they're missing out on the AC, <laughs> the blessings of being in God's will. And, uh, and so I'm thankful for the source of the scriptures, the creator, the Christ, and the comforter. Then let us consider not only the source, but the scripture themselves. It says he sent his word, right? Well, I, I, I'm, I'm in no strange place as far as of these things. Your pastor even asked me. He made sure you have your King James Bible with you. I told him, yeah, I left the NIV in the car. Don't worry. <laughs> and, uh, but folks, we, we believe in a perfect word, do we not? A perfect scripture. The law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. And uh, we believe uh, in the inspiration and, and the preservation of the precious word of God. And I believe that I hold in my hand the perfect preserved word of God. No error. It's infallible. It's inerrant. And, and we're not going to spend a whole lot of time teaching and preaching on that. But I'm glad that I have the perfect word of God. The scriptures are perfect. They are preserved. Psalm 12, 6, the words of the Lord are pure words as silver tried in a furnace of earth, purified seven times. Thou shalt keep them, O Lord. Thou shalt preserve them from this generation forever. And I'm glad that we have the promise of God. And, and let me just chase a quick rabbit tail. That responsibility after he, I mean, he's fulfilled it, but it was given to the church. All right. Churches are responsible to produce, to preserve, to propagate the Word of God. Not the, so, not the Bible societies, that, and that, that might sound pretty to you, but the Bible societies are modernists. They're putting out perversions, and, uh, and it's the church's responsibility. It's not the secular publishing houses who on one run will print Scripture and on another run will print pornography. It's the church's responsibility to produce, to preserve, to pre- and to propagate the Word of God. And so I'm thankful for the Scripture, the perfect Scripture, the preserved Scripture. Uh, you know, yes, they're inspired, but if they were only inspired, you know, that would, that would be great up in heaven. But they're preserved for me today. Amen? This is not just a textbook. It's the living Word of God. 
And so the scripture is perfect, it's preserved, but it's powerful. Hebrews 4.12 tells us that the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow and as a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. The word of God is powerful. And uh, time will not allow us to give uh, so many illustrations that we could give about people getting saved around the world through gospel tracts, John and Romans, scripture portions. I will share one of my favorite stories with you. Pasha uh, is Russian for Paul. Pasha was a, a young lad. He was about eight years old, and his parents were traveling to Siberia. This was back in the 1800s. And um, the parents died in, on that journey. Uh, the Pasha and his sister both ended up in different orphanages. Uh, the orphanage was not a pleasant place, and Pasha ran away and ended up living with a band of thieves there in the, in the forest there and uh, grew up amongst them. And uh, fast forward several years, he, he became a leader amongst them when he was about 21 years old. He and one of the others uh, assaulted a man that was traveling by horse. They killed him, and amongst the, the loot was a New Testament. Pasha began reading that New Testament, and he got, he got, he got over the, to Romans, and he learned how, it didn't take long to convince him that he was a sinner, right? But he learned about the love of God. He learned about justification through the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, and he trusted Christ as his Savior. And a few weeks went by, and the other uh, thieves started to ask him, Pasha, well, what's going on? And uh, something, something different, right? What, what, what's going on? Well, he hadn't been to Bible college, Brother Justin. I'm not against Bible college. I've been there. But uh, so all he knew to do was he just started reading the New Testament to them, <laughs> and a bunch of them get saved. And some of them actually go and turn themselves into the constable. The constable didn't know what to do with them. And they're like, well, we did this, that, and the other. Okay, well then, and uh, so Pasha ends up in prison, and um, and uh, over the years moved from one prison to another, and uh, but left behind a trail of other prisoners and even guards who trusted Christ as their Savior because of His witness, and it all came from a New Testament, folks. There's power in the Word of God. And sometimes, you know, we take it for granted. Um, I, I know you have a Christian school here. Sometimes, you know, we 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 memorize verses for quizzes. And then we forget it, right? And uh, sometimes we memorize verses for witnessing. By the way, we ought to do that. You ought to be able to share the gospel with somebody. But, you know, there, there's one area that I, I'm afraid we don't do a whole lot of scripture memory. And the Bible says, thy word have I hid in mine heart that I might not. Okay, so don't, don't, don't tell me out loud, but what is your pet sin? When's the last time you memorized a verse about that sin? Right? And, and then we wonder... Why we don't have victory in the Christian life and we're up and down. And folks, God has the answer, not, again, not just to get us to heaven, but to overcome sin in our lives, to live a victorious Christian life. The Word of God is powerful to save and to change lives. Like Pasha, a, pray, a, 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 a murderer who God saved by His good grace and used to reach many, many others with the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And the Word of God is powerful. Time does not allow to share so many other stories about the power of the Word of God. But then, notice not only in the verse, He sent, uh, He being the source, the Creator, the Christ, the Comforter, and then He sent His Word, the Scripture, perfect, preserved, and powerful. And then it says, and healed them. Now, you know, the last couple of years, there's been a lot of uh, focus on, on disease, right? And, uh, and COVID. And, you know, there's a disease that's way worse than COVID, and it is sin. And we need to be healed, right? 
And uh, they're, 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 it, the only healing for sin is the blood. And we sing about the cross. Amen. It's through Christ. It's through it, it's salvation then. Uh, and and I, I'm making application here. But the scriptures, uh, the, the by faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Right. And so there, there is salvation. Through the scriptures is what inform us. I wasn't here 2,000 years ago, but I believe that Jesus went to that cross. I believe that he didn't stay dead. That's why we don't have crosses with a figure on it, right? Because we serve a risen Savior. He's alive and well, and he offers salvation. He offers healing for the curse of sin. And uh, we, I, I'm, I'm afraid that we've seen even Christians, they're more afraid of COVID than they are of sin. No, if we're saved, we're not going to hell. But, uh, and, and, you know, the blood covers it all. But, folks, we ought to have victory over sin. And, and, but let's talk about salvation first. Uh, I believe we understand that salvation is undeserved, right? Ephesians 2, 8, 9, For by grace are ye saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Now, I'm a parent. I know you're not going to believe this. I'm a granddaddy, all right? I know I don't look old enough, but I can show you pictures afterwards. Uh, I have a two-year-old granddaughter and a, about a three-month-old granddaughter. Don't worry, we're not spoiling them at all. And um, yeah, yeah, well, uh, but we're, we're having a great time uh, with, with, with them. And, uh, but uh, sometimes, uh, as parents, you'll understand what I'm about to say. I remember telling my kids sometimes, what part of no don't you understand? <laughs> right? All right? They'll come to daddy, they'll ask. Uh, they don't get the answer they want. They go to mommy, you know, or they'll come back and answer it or ask it a different way. And I'm afraid that God is saying to millions around the world, what part of no don't you understand? I've talked to multitudes around the world, 25 some countries, a lot of Spanish speaking countries, a lot of people with a Catholic background and, the, and they're trusting their good works. Right. Of course, it is interesting to me. Sometimes people say, uh, well, we got to keep the commandments. So I ask, them, well, what are the Ten Commandments? They can't even list the Ten Commandments. I'm thinking, if you're going to get to heaven by keeping the Ten Commandments, don't you think you ought to know them, right? Um, but, the, but the point is, nobody can keep the Ten Commandments, right? I mean, we're, they're, they're, they're good, they're not bad, but they point us to our need. They're not our salvation. Salvation is undeserved. It's not because you're a church member. It's not because you've never killed anybody or never robbed the bank. It's undeserved. And so God is saying, what part of no don't you understand? And uh, some people, you know, they, they talk about, well, I got baptized. I ask them, you know, are you, are you 100% sure that you're on your way to heaven? Sometimes they'll say, well, I hope so. I think so. And then when we, when we get to talking about, well, where is your faith, right? What is it? I've talked to folks with a charismatic background for, on, from Honduras, for example. And uh, baptism was a part of what, you know, they, they believe Jesus died. It's like a faith plus works salvation. But folks, you can't just add Jesus to your salvation plan. He is the salvation plan. It's Christ alone. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. You say, oh, that's pretty narrow-minded. Well, I'm going to be as narrow-minded as this book is right here. Because it's not my opinion. My opinion isn't worth, you know, two cents. But the Word of God is the authority. That's why we send the Word of God around the Word. It's not about religion. It's about a relationship you can have with God through the Lord Jesus Christ. And so it's undeserved. And, and it doesn't mean that I shouldn't do good works. I tell people all the time, the reason I go to church, read my Bible, pray, and, and et cetera, et cetera, is not to get to heaven, but because I'm already going. It's to show my love and appreciation for my Savior. But salvation is undeserved. But I'm glad that it is also unfailing, right? 
Uh, some people struggle with assurance of salvation. Philippians 1.6, being confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. I'm glad that I, I have a no-so salvation. Amen. Right? And again, it's, it's not because uh, my parents are Baptists. My parents are Baptists, but I'm Baptist because the Bible's Baptist. Amen? And, uh, and I know that I'm going to heaven not because of tradition, but because of the authority of the Word of God. Because it is, after all, in Him. I mean, He tells us, if it's by grace, is getting something I don't deserve. So if it's by works, how is it grace, right? That's what Galatians is basically about. And, uh, and so I'm glad for an undeserved salvation. I'm also glad for an unfailing salvation. I'm glad when I put my head on my pillow each night, I don't have to wonder, did I do enough today, right? Or did I do too much bad today, Brother Justin? Right? No. I, I'm tr- my trust is in Christ alone. He is, the, uh, in Spanish I say it all the time, único y suficiente Salvador. The only and sufficient Savior. Because a lot, of, a lot of religious people, they believe in Jesus, but they don't understand what he accomplished. They even believe that he died on the cross, but they don't understand what it accomplished. And so we take them to the scriptures to show them the sufficiency of Christ. And so salvation is undeserved. It's unfailing. It is also unlimited. Romans 1.16 says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth. Amen? To everyone that believeth. Not just, uh, in, not just Americans. Uh, not just white folk. It doesn't matter, you know, red and yellow, black and white. God is precious in their, are, they're precious in His sight. Jesus loves everyone. Salvation is unlimited. It doesn't matter social class. It doesn't matter skin color. It doesn't matter language. Uh, you just need to be a whosoever. Amen. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And so I'm thankful for an unlimited uh, salvation. I'm thankful that God so loved the world, but I'm glad that he loved me as an individual. I'm glad that on January 11th, 1977, that the Holy Spirit of God showed me that it didn't matter that I was a missionary kid. It didn't matter that I'd never robbed a bank or killed anybody. I was a sinner. I deserved to die and go to hell, but by his grace, I could trust him and be saved by the good grace of God. And, and, and so I, re- I realized a long time ago, it's undeserved. And then I learned that it was unfailing. I, I've, never, I've never struggled with that. I, I'm not, you know, some people, uh, they make what they, what they call false professions. And I'm not saying that, the, anyways, I've never doubted my salvation. Even the four years that I away, away from God. One reason is because I was miserable, right? The Holy Spirit was saying, hey, you know, that's not right. And, um, but I'm thankful for an unlimited salvation, to be honest, you know, the only thing that limits salvation is unbelief, right? Because it says to everyone that believeth. So have you believed? Not do you know about God, but have you believed that he is the only way to escape hell? Have you trusted him through repentance of sin and faith alone in Christ alone? Have you trusted Jesus Christ? Have you been born again, as Jesus says in John, right, to a religious person? Who, you know, he was separated, right? He went to church, he dressed up, and, uh, but he was missing something. He was missing that relationship, right? And he was born again. Do you have that second birthday? I hope so. If not, today can be the day of your salvation. Now is the day. Now is the accepted time. And so we invite you, come to Christ. His salvation is unlimited except for unbelief. But can I say to us as believers, those of us who have believed on the Lord Jesus Christ, you know what? The, the gospel is also limited 
by our unbelief. And uh, boy, this is a whole other message, but I believe that it is our responsibility to fulfill the Great Commission. I believe every generation has had that responsibility. We have dropped the ball, and we have a lot of people saying, ah, oh, there's no way, just tie a, you know, tie a knot and hang on till Jesus comes. No, I believe that it is our responsibility to fulfill the Great Commission. And there are still untold millions in darkness waiting for the light of the glorious gospel, waiting for the word of God, waiting for a missionary, waiting for, by the way, not just waiting for a missionary, waiting for a believer to tell them the good news. I, I, I haven't been here in Martinsburg very long, but I, I'm pretty sure there are still people in Martinsburg that need to be saved. They might be your neighbor. It might be someone you work with. It might be someone in your school. But do you believe? Right? I'm not, not, yeah, you're going to heaven, but do you believe in the power of the gospel? I mean, if we did, would we not tell people? If we really believed in the hell, would we not warn people? You say, but Brother Johnson, I'm shy. Well, welcome to the club. But God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. I don't like telling people they're sinners. I don't like telling them they deserve and die to go to hell. But if I love God enough, if I believe in the power of the gospel enough, I'm going to tell them. I'm going to warn them because I've got the good news that Jesus will save anybody. And so it is, it's unlimited except for unbelief. Um, we've been to 26 countries. Most of our countries are the English, Spanish, and Portuguese-speaking countries because, like your pastor, I like to go to places where I can talk to folks, right? And uh, we take people to our, on our trips that don't speak Spanish. Uh, we just teach them to smile and say a few words and, and, give out, and, and give out the gospel. Well, some years ago, I asked my pastor if there was a place he wanted to go, and he said, I, w- I would like to go to Romania. And Brother Justin, I was like, I don't speak Romanian, you know? And, uh, but, uh, but I said, okay, let's do this. We'll go to Romania. Our church supported two missionaries there, and so we went to Romania. And uh, I, I figured, well, I guess I can go and do what I ask other people to do, right? Go smile, learn a word or two, pace, that's peace in Romanian. And anyways, learn a few words and give out a gospel invitation. And so we were there. We were working with two missionaries, that, uh, a village work, a town, and then a city. And um, so we just passed out stuff. We didn't even have flyers uh, for the village. We had flyers for the city uh, that was going to have a service on Friday. We had rented out a, uh, a building. But on Monday night, we were in this little village of Heret. And uh, I was basically standing. The, the, the building was, was kind of full because we had, I don't know, 15 people. And the building wasn't very big. So our team alone kind of filled it up. And uh, it was hot, so I was fine standing outside. <laughs> and I, I was just kind of observing the whole service. Well, after the service, the missionary introduced me to a, a visitor. And the reason he introduced me to him is because he lives in Spain. Nikolai was his name. And uh, he had been a trucker in Spain for about 10 years. And he just so happened to be on vacation and traveling back in this little village, seeing family and friends. And uh, he had just got a, a brand of the Fidelo, a Romanian Bible. And so I don't speak Romanian, but uh, he understood Spanish. So I just would find the verses in his Romanian Bible and he'd read them in Romanian. I witnessed to him in Spanish. Long story short, at the end of that conversation, he bowed his head and trust. He prayed in Romanian. I don't know what he prayed, but God did. (laughs) Amen. And he trusted Christ as a savior. And and he told me, he says, you know, my wife was going to come, but we had some last minute things come up and and she didn't. And um, he was burdened for her. And uh, there's more to the story, but uh, I said, I didn't really think they'd come, I, but I, I, I told them, well, we're having services in Onesht. Uh, it was about an hour away, the city that we're having the service on Friday. 
And, uh, well, Friday comes around, and here comes Nikolai and Mihaela, his wife, on this little motorcycle. And, man, we were excited to see them. And I had the privilege of preaching through an interpreter. Again, don't speak Romanian. I preached in English. The missionary interpreted. And I told him, you just handle the invitation. And so it was like the seats went up. And by the way, um, we had one, one of them was interpreting for deaf people. We had deaf people came to Christ. Always, I don't speak sign language, but my brother's a missionary to the deaf. And so thank you for, uh, for your ministry to the deaf. And uh, so deaf people were get, being dealt with and get, getting saved. I had gone down here. There was only aisles along the wall. And uh, I had my eyes closed for a while. And then I, I, I kind of got the fig, uh, figuring that he was calling for altar workers. So I was just looking around. Most of his church members were dealing with people. And there was no more altar workers available. And on the other side was Nikolai and Mihaela just kind of standing there. Well, they know Spanish. So I walk, walk over. So why have you come? And Nikolai said, my wife would not like to make the same decision that I made on Monday. I had just preached the gospel, so I didn't have to take much time. I just asked a couple questions, and she got on her knees there, and she prayed in Romanian again. I don't know what she prayed, but God does, and I'm going to see them in heaven someday. And the, the point there is, is not because I'm some, some great missionary. I, I was just willing to go uh, to a place where I didn't speak the language. I, I just happened to be at the right place at the right time, and, uh, and of course, was able to communicate with them. And uh, by, by the way, I put them in touch with missionaries back in Seville, Spain, that were arriving about six months later. Almost a year later, the missionary wrote me, hey, I've been meaning to tell you, uh, Nikolai and Mihaela have been coming since we've arrived, and uh, they appreciate your ministry. And so what, what a wonderful truth that, you know, someday in heaven, I'm going to get to see people that I just had the privilege to introduce them to the one that could save them. Right? And so salvation is undeserved, it's unfailing, and it's unlimited. And then let, let us uh, quickly consider uh, the rest of the verse. It says, He sent His Word, the Source, the Creator, the Christ, the Comforter, the Scripture, perfect, preserved, and powerful. And salvation is undeserved, unfailing, and unlimited. And if you have not received it, we urge you, we beg you, don't leave this place without knowing for sure that your sins are forgiven and that heaven will be your home someday. But then, for those of us that have been saved by the grace of God, it says not only, and healed them, but it says, and delivered them from their destructions. Now, hell is the worst destruction, but you know what? We have some of our own destructions, right? That come from bad decisions, right? How do we avoid them? The Word of God. He sent His Word and healed them and delivered them from their destruction. So let's consider sanctification for a little bit. I know some people get uptight about that, and uh, I, I don't think you do here, but you know, people are like, oh, you're, you're all legalistic. No, I'm not legalistic. I believe I get to heaven by grace, okay? But grace is not license to sin. I, I said this to the young people. It is liberty to serve God in His power and to be more like Christ. And so there is sanctification. There's a, couple, there's a, a few kinds. I'll mention two. First of all, positional sanctification. This is something that sometimes I think uh, like we know, but, but we don't grab a hold of it. Positional sanctification is, is like salvation. It took place. It doesn't change. Ephesians 1, 6 says to the praise of the glory of his grace, wherein he hath made us accepted in the beloved. That is positional sanctification. And I heard a preacher give an illustration that I'd like to share with you because I love it. And uh, he told of a, a shepherd who on the same day uh, a, sh- a sheep, a mother sheep, uh, uh, died, leaving her lamb without a mother. And then in the flock he had a lamb that died, uh, leaving his mother without her baby lamb. And the shepherd thought, man, what am I going to do? And he came up with an idea. He brought the lamb that had lost its mother to the mother that had lost her lamb. And she smelled it and knew it wasn't hers and rejected it. 
And so the shepherd thought a little bit longer, and he went to the lamb that had died. He hadn't done anything with it yet, and, and he skinned it. And he took that, the, the wool, he took the, the, that sheepskin and put it on the lamb and brought it back again. And this time the mother recognized the, the smell and, and accepted that sheep. And folks, that is a picture. I'm glad that God, when he looks at me, he doesn't see Alan. If he smelled Alan, he would have to send me into hell. But he smells the righteousness of the Lord Jesus Christ that was imputed to me on the moment of my salvation. That is positional sanctification. That will never change. I I am secure in Christ. I am accepted in the beloved. Not because of who I am or what I've done or haven't done, but because I'm in Christ. <laughs> and Christ is in me. That is positional sanctification. That'll take care, by the way, of your assurance of salvation right there. And I am accepted in the beloved, the precious Lamb of God. But then there is progressive sanctification. And that is day to day, right? Salvation is an event, but the, this sanctification is a process, right? All Scripture, we talk about, why, why is it important, you know, to have the inspired, preserved Word of God? Well, because all Scripture is profitable, right, for what? Well, for doctrine. they got a lot of people that say, oh, doctrine doesn't matter. Doctrine matters. It's the difference between heaven and hell. Right. Hello? All right? But Scripture is not only profitable for doctrine, uh, it is for correction, right? For reproof. We don't like that. That's when we say the preacher stepping on my toes. Well, maybe that's the Holy Spirit of God stepping on your toes, right? The word of God reproving and that's showing us what's wrong. And then it talks about correction. That's showing us what's right. And, and, and by the way, we're pretty good at that. We're pretty good at saying that's right. That's wrong. But it goes on and says instruction and righteousness. I believe that's the practical part of keeping it right. Okay. Not just, you know, Look at me. I, you know, I don't, like I said to the teens, I don't drink, I don't smoke, I don't chew, and I don't run with those that do. Well, that's great and wonderful, but what about the inside? What about, how, how are you doing with pride? How about envy? How about forgiveness? How about bitterness? I mean, we can go on and on and on, but we have power to overcome whatever the sin may be, right? Let's stop making excuses and let's appropriate the Spirit of God and the precious Word of God. And progressively become more like the Lord Jesus Christ. That's, uh, that's what they said, right? And they knew that they'd been with Jesus. Amen? Amen. Have you been with Jesus? <laughs> I know he's not here, but folks, we have his word. We have his spirit within us. We can be with Jesus. Not just when we come to church, by the way, right? I spent some time with Jesus in my hotel room this morning. I hope you spent some time with Jesus this morning before you left home. And, uh, and, and, and I hope that, you know, you don't have to look for your Bible next Sunday, wherever you left it today. I hope that tomorrow you'll be in his word. And Tuesday, I, I, I like to call Bible and prayer the rice and beans of the Christian life. And maybe you're thinking, rice and, well, I grew up in Brazil. They eat rice and beans every day. All right. And, uh, and their rice and beans is good. I didn't get tired of it. But folks, we ought to be in the word of God and in prayer every day. And so that's why I call it the rice and beans of the Christian life. And, uh, and so sanctification is positional. It's also uh, progressive as we allow the word of God to have uh, its will and way in our, in our hearts and in our lives. As we talked about the power of the word of God. And then I'm just going to kind of... Just skim over the last point, which usually I spend a, a bit more time, but I'm going to kind of preach on these lines tonight. But look at the, uh, the verse. We, we, we left it out for last on purpose. It says he sent, right? 
His Word. So we considered the source, the Creator, the Christ, and the Comforter. We considered the Scripture themselves, uh, perfect, preserved, and powerful. And then we talked a little bit about salvation. There's no greater theme than salvation. It's undeserved, it's unfailing, and it's unlimited. And we talked a little bit about sanctification and positional and, and progressive through the Word of God. And then sending, the sending. He says He sent His Word. Just, just real quick. Mention a couple things here and, and finish up. But the sending of the Word of God, look at verse, uh, well, we see the past precedent, right? Uh, you know, uh, grammar, he sent, that's past tense, right? So he sent his Word. Of course, uh, when these words were penned, the whole Word had, had not been received yet on, on planet Earth. But we have the whole Word of God, right? From Genesis to Revelation. Uh, we have the Word that he sent in the past. And so there's the, there's the past precedent, if you will, in this verse that he sent his word. But notice the what, I, what I'm calling the present priority in verse 22. It says there, And let them sacrifice the sacrifices of thanksgiving and declare his works with rejoicing. Folks, when's the last time you declared his works? They that sow in tears shall reap in joy. There is toil. There is disappointment. There is people slamming the door in your face. But there is that occasional time when you get to be along with the Holy Spirit of God. And he convicts a sinner of their lost condition. And he saves their wretched soul just like he saved our wretched soul. And we just got to be the mouthpiece. We just got to be the messenger. We got to declare not my works, but his works with rejoicing. I told the young people, I spent, I wasted four years of my life living for self, playing volleyball. I had a good time. I, I know I'm only five nine, but at that time I could slam dunk a volleyball and uh, I won some trophies and accolades and, 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 but you know what? That does not compare to the joy of, I mentioned Nikolai, I won't go on to, and giving other names, but of seeing someone trust Christ as their Savior. What a joy to declare His works. And folks, God didn't just save us to take us to heaven. He left us here for a reason, right? It's to glorify God, but one of the ways that we do that is by giving folks the good news of the gospel. This is not just for Pastor John. This is not just for the missionary. This is for every child of God. And by the way, this is not just for... Um, for the older, or, or I remember my son, he was about eight years old when we lived in Georgia. And uh, we wouldn't allow him to go down and play with the neighbors, but we would allow the neighbors to come down and play with us or, you know, with him. And, and so the neighbor, Evan, had come and our, uh, I, I, we actually looked out and saw them. They were sitting by, uh, by the tree outside. Usually they played in our garage or, or right up front, but they were sitting by the tree. And, and later Nathaniel came in. We had just lost them. Um, uh, we had a stillborn child, and Nathaniel and Evan had lost his, his grandpa or one of his grandparents. Um, and so they were talking about death. And uh, Nathaniel, uh, as an eight-year-old lad, shared the gospel with Evan. And Evan, at the tree in our front yard, trusted Christ as a Savior. The point that I'm saying is, folks, you don't have to wait to go to Bible college. Uh, you don't have to wait to memorize a bunch of verses. You ought to memorize verses. We ought to get better at it. But the Samaritan woman, she got saved and she went and told them about what happened to her. If something hasn't happened to you, then let it happen and then go tell somebody. Go declare his works. With rejoicing, it's a present priority. There are still untold millions, as I said, when we have a world prayer map that I'll talk about tonight. And when we put it out, there were 70 countries that didn't have an independent, single independent Baptist missionary. And I say that's not God's fault. 
because as, <laughs> he's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to... Some people say, well, God hasn't called me to go, and I trust he's called you to stay. Stay? Jim Elliott said, why are you waiting for a voice when you already have a verse? Go into all the world and preach the gospel. I am not saying that it is God's will for every single person to cross the ocean, but uh, to cross the sea, but you ought to at least cross the street. Right? It's a present priority. Jesus is coming soon. I, I'm not a, a date setter, but folks, we need to get busy uh, spreading the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ and the word of God, because that's how people get saved. And then finally, the prospect of purpose. Look at verse 21. Oh, that men would praise the Lord. Do you long for that in your soul? Do you even pray? I know I don't praise him as I should, but folks, we ought to praise him more and more. He is worthy. And it says, oh, that men would praise the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works to the children of men. My desire is that boys and girls, men and women around the world, regardless of skin color or language, would one day praise God and for throughout all eternity, but millions will never do so if they never hear. If they never get a copy of the Word of God, if they never get a missionary to go and preach, folks, if they don't hear the gospel, how can they believe, right? It's easy. I'm not saying it's hard to believe, but they got to know so that they can believe. And uh, we take the word of God for granted here in America. But the prospect of purpose there in verse 21 is that, the, that, well, that the Savior would be magnified and glorified. It's been mentioned already. Folks, <clears throat> how precious is that book to you? And uh, can I be honest with you? you know, we, by the way, we, we do. We, we make a big deal about what book? <laughs> the King James Bible. But can I be honest with you? It really doesn't matter a whole lot what Bible you t- t- uh, carry under your arm if you're not living it. I mean, great, you come, you know, with the King James Bible to a King James Bible-believing church, but what are you doing with it on Monday and Tuesday? Is it transforming your life? And is it flowing through you? I, I, I don't have the quote in, this, in my notes here that Pasha wrote, but Pasha wrote something in his New Testament, and it's an incredible Basically, it talks about how the word, how he killed the, it's, by, it's, like a, it's like a little letter to the guy who he killed. Basically, talking about how God used that, that tragedy, but used the word of God to change his life. And he, and he talks about how it still is going through him. In other words, it didn't end with him, right? Sometimes we, we get blessings and we just hang on to them, right? And uh, we, we're to be a sponge to soak it up, but then let's, you know, let's get squeezed, Amen. Let's get it out. Let's get it to somebody else because the word of God was sent. That's the past precedent. But we have a present priority to declare. And then the prospect of purpose is that one day we will get to praise God with people from around the world. Some people in Belize that will get these scriptures. Maybe some of you will get to witness to them directly. And maybe some of them will get saved later because they got the word of God in their homes. Only eternity will reveal. But let's get busy. And declare his works, for he is worthy. With heads bowed and eyes closed, every head bowed, every eyes closed, I'll ask the musicians to come and prepare for an invitation.